God has been revealing to me the nature, the heart of man. And the first thing that um, God started revealing to me last year was the heart of man is becoming cold. The heart of man is becoming cold. In Matthew 24, verse 12, the word of God says, because of iniquity, because of an increase of, of evil, man's heart is going to grow cold. The love of many is going to grow cold. And I've, I've felt over time that um, the, the love of many is going, growing cold. And this is not uh, only in talking about uh, believers, uh, I mean the world, because we expect that from the world. We actually expect the world to act uh, evil. We, act, we, act, we, we expect the world to be, to be unloving and to the world to have hatred. Uh, but we don't expect that of Christians because we have the nature of God. And as I've already said, the nature of God in, in, in 1 John uh, 4, which I, I said earlier on in, in the first service, 1 John 4 verse 8, it says God is love. And so we, we have that same nature, a nature of love that we should be carrying into the whole world, into the community that we live in. And th so the, the Bible clearly tells us that in the last days, um, the love of many is going to grow cold. And we've been seeing that in the world. Lately, we've been seeing movements and waves of, of, uh, of racism and tribalism. And right now, we, it seems like we, we are in, in a, on a hotbed or, or whereby if you say anything, even when you say it in the most innocent way, it blows up. It blows up in your face. Things that you, you probably uh, would, would, would joke about with a friend, but it blows up and people are, 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 are treading carefully as they walk on, on, on eggshells because things seem to be Right, uh, right there, they're, they're quite hot and anything can, can happen if you say the wrong thing. And politicians have, have gone on to, to, uh, to cash in on these, uh, these moments. Politicians uh, who, who do not know God, some who, who do not uh, submit themselves to the word of God, have gone on to, to cash in to, uh, and cash in and take hold, uh, or, uh, hold the, 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 their political uh, careers through dividing and conquering people. Statements like making a nation great, it sounds wonderful when we hear it in our, in our ears. But when a nation is great, that means another nation is not great. It means a, a certain type of people is put underneath your feet. It means that there is a, a certain type of people that you, you, you subjugate and you, 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 you bring down. That is why there is such a movement against immigrants and, and so many people. Right now in South Africa, there is a move that's saying uh, um, uh, Zimbabweans must fall. There is that move. There is a growing move that is happening and no one is talking about it. No one is, is talking about love in this case in this situation that we find ourselves. If you think about it, and I love history, there's a man called Adolf Hitler. He used the same tactic of making a nation great. And using that tactic, what he did is he brought division in that nation. He went and targeted a certain people group. He targeted the Jews. When you make a nation great, you are targeting a certain people. And in targeting those people, his philosophy was blonde and blue-eyed. But yet he was not blonde and blue-eyed. But the people who were listening to him 
agreed with, with his campaign, blonde and blue-eyed. Whenever there is hatred, the Bible says in Proverbs 10 verse, the, 10 verse 12, whenever there's hatred, there is all manner of strife. All manner of strife is there in that place. But love covers a multitude of sins. And that's why I feel like love, talking about love, is very important in the time that we live in. Because in the world that we live in, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world where we as Christians have a counterculture, a culture that is contrary to the world. We live in a, in a, in a, in a, a kingdom where everything we do is upside down to, to, to what the world is saying. In Thessalonians, uh, when Paul got, and Silas got to Thessalonica and there was an uproar of the Christians being in Thessalonica, the Bible says those who have turned the world upside down are here also. So your culture, your, your philosophy as believers is counterculture to the current world. When you are going to make something great, you, are, you become a servant of all. That is how... The Bible teaches us. Teaches us greatness is being a servant. You need to be a servant if you're going to be great. So God starts speaking to me about the condition of, the man, of man's heart. Man's heart, number one, is going to become cold. Number two, man's heart is going to faint. And this he said to me in the beginning of the year, man's heart is going to faint. Because of the hardship and the trials that will come upon man, man's heart is going to faint. And, and right now at this moment, there are not too many voices that began in the year talking about this year is going to be a prosperous year. This year God is going to make you a very prosperous individual. God is going to enlarge your territory. He's going to uh, uh, pull down the tents of your, your enemy. There are not too many people right now. Those voices are not being heard because those voices were not from God. In Jeremiah 23, the word of God says, Be careful of those prophets because they make you weak. They speak vain things to you and they make you weak. They give you grass instead of wheat. They give you straw, straws uh, uh, instead of wheat. They don't give you bread. They don't give you things that sustain you. And so we have seen during, the world, during this lockdown and COVID-19, people have lost their jobs. Those very people who have been told that they're going to be prosperous in this time have lost their jobs, they've lost their businesses. Because there was no voice that was literally hearing what God was saying. God was saying there is hardship and my people need to prepare for that hardship. You see, ladies and gentlemen... The th three things that always will remain, love, hope, faith. And those are the three things we need to concentrate on. And as, as I say today, we're going to talk about love. But to deal with the man's heart that is fainting, we need to deal with the hope. Because hope deferred makes the heart sick, and many people's hearts have become sick. There, when church opened up, many people were like, I'd rather stay at home. I'd rather be at home and not go to church. Because their hearts were 
had lost hope, and people had lost hope and faith in God. The third thing that God said was, man's heart is going to fail. Man's heart is going to fail. They will fail because they feel like God has disappointed them. God has left them, uh, left them uh, where, they, where God should have lifted them up. God has left them in the miry clay and they're sinking and, and things are not working for them. They will point fingers at God and they will totally fail and they will put their trust in other men. They will put their trust not in God but in man because they see man and because they trust man. Because that very man has taken you through COVID-19, you think that very man will take you through your whole life. You don't realize that Jesus Christ is the answer to take you through your life. He is the very answer that we need. And the reason why all these things have been happening is because Christians have been relaxed. The other day, and we shared it in the, with, the, with the elders, I felt the Holy Spirit say, we, 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 we've been sleeping on the job. Like a guard, you, you, you get a guard and yet they sleep on the job. God, I felt, was saying, Christians have been sleeping on the job. The salt is losing its saltiness. The light is losing its effectiveness. As it says in Proverbs, I went to the field of a sluggard. And I saw thorns and, and thistles growing, and the war was broken down. And we need, we need to repair that war. And, the, and we are the people that will repair that war. In Romans 8 verse 19, if you may turn there. Romans 8 verse 19. Romans 8 verse 19 says the following. It says, For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is in groaning, it is moaning, it is uh, in agony at the moment. Because the sons of God are not being manifested. Because the sons of God are not lifting up their hands and saying, God, I am here. They are, they are looking like the world. They're looking more and more like the world. As Jesus comes, uh, returns, the, 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 the church is looking more and more like the world. And in, in, um, in, in, in 1 John 2 verse 15, 1 John 2 verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And we are seeing Christians becoming more conformed to the world. Just like the, the man uh, Sodom, uh, Lot, who lived uh, just, just, by, just outside the gates of Sodom. In one verse, we see him living outside the gates of Sodom. In another chapter, we see him inside Sodom. And he has become part of that community. And it is difficult to, to, to be for him to, to tell that the judgment is coming on Sodom. He has to be pulled, for, uh, carried by his collar out of Sodom so that God can judge Sodom. Because 
he would have become just like those people in Sodom. So it is important for us to realize that, that God creation is waiting for the manifestation for us, the sons of God. And yet the word, God, word of God says in 1 John 3 verse 1, what manner of love God has bestowed upon you and I, that we should be called the sons of God. So if we are going to be manifested uh, in, into the, uh, before creation, we need to know the manner of love that God has bestowed upon us for us to be called the sons of God. When we talk about love, the, the problem comes when we, when we use the English word love. The English word is, uh, is, is an obtuse word. Obtuse actually mean, it simply means it, it, it's between 90 degrees and 180 degrees. There is no actual meaning. There, it, it's not a shotgun um, uh, meaning. It's just like a, a machine gun meaning. It can mean anything. I can love my wife. I can love my pets. I can love my church. I can love my nation. I can love uh, a, a particular sports uh, team. That word love is only understood when somebody expresses their love. That is the only way we, we get to know the word love. If you wear um, the example I gave earlier on, if you love a particular sports team, we will see it by the, the flags that you carry, the t-shirts that you wear, and, and the, 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 the slogans, the anthems that you sing. You don't see so many people wearing flags and T-shirts of their wives. Um, but that is the way we see only Louis, I guess. But um, the word love in the English is just the way it is expressed and how the hearer views that word love. And if we're going to look at the word love and any other word, anything in the Bible, we always have to be cautious of context and conscious of culture. Cautious of context and conscious, conscious of culture. What I mean by that, there are certain things that we, we filter through our culture. We filter through what happens in society and in our community. There are certain things that we interpret through the lens of our culture, how we have been brought up. Things like meekness and humbleness and being wise, these things are, are, are filtered in uh, through the culture that we have grown up. If you think about somebody who is wise, it is, uh, it is somebody who is quite savvy and, and, and clever in the streets. They, they, they are quite inter intellectual. That is the, the, the idea that we have of somebody who is wise. But actually the Bible talks of a wise man as him who knows God. That is all. He who has a relationship with God is very wise. Because after you die, <laughs> there is two places that you're either going to go. And if you're wise, you have made the right decision. But if you're in this world, when we say you are wise, we're talking about how clever you are. So we need to be careful when we read the Word of God, what filters are we using and what lenses are we using. So when we talk about love, the word love in the Greek has got four variants. The first is uh, the word stoge or stoge. 
Second is uh, 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 phileo. The third is eros. And the fourth is agape. Stoge number one talks about family love. It is the family affection that you have, a natural affection that you have for those who are in your family. That is what we mean uh, when we talk about stoge. It, it's uh, the love of mom, the love of dad, the love of uncle, the love of aunt, the love of cousins, those who are of close-knit uh, family. It is family love when you talk of stoge. Then there is phileo. Phileo talks about uh, brother, it talks about common interest. Most of the time, and, and the Bible uh, uses the word brotherly love. It's commonly uh, and narrowly interpreted as brotherly love, but it does not really mean brotherly love. It is common interest that you have. So it is a, a harmonious sense of affection that you have for, uh, for, for, for people with the, right, with, with, the, with the same interest as you have. It is an, uh, an emotional warmth that you have toward those who, who, who have the same interest. And where this, this phileo is, you, you, you find unity, you find a singleness of purpose, and you find an agreement. In war, it's called being a comrade. That's what it is. There is a, a purpose, there is a, a, a similar goal that we are, we, we, we are going for, that we are all focused towards. That is what Phileo talks about. It, is, it ideally re represents a tender affection that you have for another person. An interest based on race, based on gender, based on age, based on social class. That's what we, when we say Phileo, that is what we are talking about. It's also an emotional type of love. Then we've got eros. Eros is, is uh, described as sexual kind of love. But it's not only about sexuality and uh, the sexual type of love. It talks about any love where self-interest is at the, at the center. Eros is never used in the Bible. You don't find the word eros. But as I said, that was a word used in the Greek. Eros is selfish love, self-centered love. A love that represents itself as quite clean and respectable. A love that when you peel it off, you find self-satisfaction and gratification as its motive. A love that we found in the fallen angel Lucifer now called the devil. He loved himself so much. When, when he looked at himself, he's, he, he was so in love with how he looked. And fire consumed him eventually. The Greek symbol of Eros was a snake eating its own tail. That was the Greek symbol of Eros. So this is a self-consuming type of love. The type of love that you can find in church, just like you found Lucifer in the presence of God, you can find this type of love even in the Christian. Because where there is pride, there is a, it comes before a fall. And you can have that pride even in the presence of God. So 
with this, with this type of love, it's the type of love where you say, I give so that I can, God can bless me. I, I worship so that I can get a breakthrough. I minister so that people can see me. That is the type of love. It's all about you. There is self-satisfaction as your motive. Then we have agape. Agape is the type of love that Jesus has. You see, ladies and gentlemen, in Hebrews 1 verse 3, the Bible says Jesus is the exact nature. He is the exact uh, expression and he's got the, the, he's the exact imprint in nature as God. And as we say, God's nature is love. Jesus has got agape. His love, his, his nature was agape. As whenever, wherever Jesus went, he, he expressed love. He exhibited love. That was his nature. In John 15 verse 13, the Bible says, No greater love than, uh, does, does one have than to die for his friends. So we see the love that Jesus Christ had. It was a love whereby it was, it was selfless and it was sacrificial. That was to the point of giving his own life. That was the love that Jesus had. A love way to the point where he rewarded us and died for us when we were still sinners. He died for you and I when you and I were still sinners, when we were not in the right place and in the right position with God. That's the love that Jesus has, agape. It is a love that is not based on emotions. It is a love that is based on volition, will, and action. A love based on evaluation and choice. I choose to love you. I choose to respect you. I choose to honor you. It is a choice. Therefore, when we look at the love that Jesus had, we should always think of it as an action term and not as an emotion term. It's not an emotion term, but it's an action term. The agape of God, the love of God, is an active, beneficial goodwill to those who do not deserve it. You and I never deserved to, to grace. We never deserved for Christ to die for us. We deserve, actually, we deserve to go to hell. That's where we deserve to go. But he was willing to die in your place as sin, not as a sinner. He died as sin so that you, to, you could take his very nature, the nature of righteousness, into, into your life. We did, we did not deserve the love of God, but God showed his love to us whilst we were still sinners. Therefore, when I express love, when I go into the world and I'm expressing love, I am, I'm exhibiting, uh, I'm exhibiting a, 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 a fiction and I'm exhibiting a, a, a nature of God, which is love, which is agape, a nature of unmerited goodwill, which manifests itself in my actions and what I do. I don't have to have over-expressive, overwhelming, overflowing expressions of emotions when I am showing this love. But all I need to do is have overwhelming, over-expressive, overflowing actions when I'm showing this love. And thereby, I'm, I'm showing the nature of God, who God is, and I'm becoming more like Christ. So what does this, 
What does this love look like? In 1 Corinthians 5 verse, sorry, in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. The word of God says love is patient and kind. This is the love of God. This is talking about God. God is patient and kind. He does not will anyone to perish and go to hell. That is why he is patient and very kind towards those who do not know him and love him. He is very patient. He is slow to anger. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable nor overly sensitive and easily angered. Or resentful does not keep score. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, at injustice, but rejoices with the truth. When the right thing prevails, love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looks for the best in everyone. Hopes for all things, remains steadfast during difficult times, and endures all things. So we are to be motivated by the love of God, a love that is selfless and is sacrificial, a love that will give of its life because he has given of his life. In 1 Corinthians 5 verse 14, uh, sorry, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 to, to 15, We read the word of God, it, it will come up uh, on screen. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, it constrains us because we have concluded this. And this is the conclusion we, we all have to have about the love of God that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might not no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So the conclusion we should have, the conclusion that we should make is that I will live for him because he lived for me and he died for me. I will, I will live as he lived. I will live a sacrificial life and a selfless life. That is the life that I will, I will choose to, to live. I will not live for myself. I will, be, I will not live for, I will not uh, believe in a, in, in a gospel that is all about me, but it's all about the world and what Jesus Christ did for the world. Because there is, a, there is gospels that go around talking about what you deserve rather than what he did for you and what you ought to do. So the love of God should constrain me to go into the world and make a change in the world. Because the nature of God is now inside of me. Ladies and gentlemen, some, the biggest uh, miracle that ever happened is that your heart got regenerated. The biggest miracle is not a, a leg growing and, 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 and somebody coming from, 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 uh, from death being raised again. The biggest miracle is that you were going to hell, to hell and yet God turned around and regenerated your spirit. And then God came and lived inside of you. And because God now lives inside of you, Guess what? When you cough, when you sneeze, you sneeze love. When you walk, you walk love. When you speak, 
you speak love. If you allow the, the nature of God to constrain you and to direct you and lead you, that is going to be your language. If I took Michael Jordan right now, back at his prime, and I put him inside of you, what would happen? You would have the same stats as Michael Jordan. You would be able to do exactly what Michael Jordan did. But guess what? The God of heaven, whose nature is love, is inside of you. You should be able to do exactly what he does, which is to love selflessly and sacrificially. In Romans 5 verse 1 to 5, if we can turn there, Romans 5 verse 1 to 5, it will come over here right now. But Romans 5 verse 1 to 5, It says, being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have our access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in, the, in hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we also rejoice in our sufferings Knowing that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us. Therefore, we see from that verse, God has poured his love into our spirits. He has poured his love into our hearts. That's why it's difficult for you to walk in any other way than to love. Your love should be burning hot. He has poured out. The word poured out that is used there, he has gushed out. And when you pour out, there is a splashing that happens. There is an overflow that happens when you pour out. He has carelessly that's what, that, that's what it means. God has carelessly poured out his love into our hearts. Without measure, he has poured out his love into our hearts. Therefore, when we live in this world, love should splash onto other people. When we live in, in this world, love should overflow into the community and in whatever we do. Wherever we go, the love of Christ should be overflowing into the hearts of people. They should be like, I have seen Christ. I have seen the sons of God be manifested here on earth. Amen.